Hello everyone, I'm Elizabeth and I'm Luke and welcome back to our podcast. We're going to take a few minutes to key off of our podcast a really close look at Jesus' death and resurrection and look at a few of the arguments that attempt to disprove the validity that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. Let's jump right into this and start with history. First of all, the New Testament is a valid historical book. Mm-hmm. And there is enough evidence without the Bible to prove that he yeah. was a real person and really walked the earth. Yeah, there's more evidence that Jesus lived than Alexander the Great. I mean, it's nothing was written down about Alexander the Great for over 200 years. Right. And we have documents from Jesus within just a few decades. Right. And, and no one doubts that Alexander the Great lived right right there are also so many archaeological findings that prove the bible and jesus that jesus really lived and you know in the past even just few decades they have found so many things that prove different parts of the new testament to be true whether it's a city or a person or like the bible mentions that there was a governor of jerusalem and people use that as a point of inaccuracy for the Bible. Oh, well, no other historical documents ever mentioned a governor of Jerusalem. But they found just in the last few years a ring with a seal that said governor of Jerusalem. Wow. So that proves that there really was one. And right. that the Bible is an accurate historical document. A lot of people will also point out that there are discrepancies in the Bible but multiple people's stories lining up exactly is not reality. That's no. a red flag. Yeah. Like in the Gospels regarding Jesus before the high priests, we have two accounts that seem to contradict each other, but they really don't. Can you read those for us? Sure. In Matthew twenty six sixty eight, it says, prophesy who struck you. Why would they say that if he was... Yeah, You're standing like, right in front of him. Why would they say, prophesy who struck you? He can obviously see who struck him. Right. But uh, in Luke twenty two sixty four, it says that Jesus was blindfolded. So it's not contradicting each other. It's just layering. Right. One person said one thing. Another person said another thing. But they don't contradict. They go together. Right. It's not a discrepancy. It's just... Two different people writing with their own viewpoints, just based off of their own personality and life experiences. It just, that's the way things work. It just proves that it was real people writing it. Right. Yeah. And for an example, we're sitting in our dining room. There's a big window next to us. And if a car went speeding down our street, you and I would probably notice totally different things right if we were asked i would probably key in on who was driving whether it was a male right. or a female and maybe what color the car was but you would know the exact make and model and right uh it just is different people with different lenses yeah uh, on life and that is what makes the bible credible right and the different accounts layered over each other actually gives a clearer picture of the truth right it doesn't make things confusing if two witnesses 
in a courtroom gave the exact same detailed testimonies, that's a red flag. Yeah. You know that that was rehearsed. Yeah, these so-called discrepancies are actually painting a clear picture of the truth. Exactly. J. Warner Wallace, a former homicide detective with the L.A. Police Department, who specialized in cold cases, a top-ranking cold case detective, grew up as an atheist, having an atheist father, and he decided to take his skills to prove his faith disproving the validity of the Bible and that Jesus had lived and died and rose from the dead. His findings, his expertise in what he did actually proved it all true. He realized the only thing preventing him from believing it was a presuppositional bias. He just made it up in his mind that it wasn't true, but that was not factual. And he ended up becoming a believer and a follower of Jesus as a result. Now let's look at the next argument. Was Jesus really dead? Uh, just to quickly recount what Jesus endured. First, the emotional agony in the garden of knowing what was coming. Mm -hmm. He was sweating drops of blood. He did not sleep the night before at all. He was blindfolded, slapped in the face, repeatedly struck on the head with a rod. Then he was flogged, whipped 39 times. Which often resulted in death. Yeah. That would have caused a tremendous loss of blood. Mm -hmm. Following that, a crown of thorns was pushed down on his head. I cannot imagine the pain of that. Right. And... Now, he was made to carry a heavy wooden cross up a hill, which he would then be nailed to and hung on for hours. Right. How did he even make it that far? Exactly. Also, the Romans were trained killers. Mm -hmm. They knew how to tell if someone was actually dead and would actually get put to death themselves if someone they were in charge of executing lived and escaped. Now, there are three distinct signs that a body is dead. These are called the mortis triad. They are algor mortis, rigor mortis, and liver mortis. First, let's talk about algor mortis. That is simply the body cooling down. Algor mortis is translated from Latin as cold death, and it describes the post-mortem temperature change after someone has died. After death, individuals no longer are producing body heat or cooling mechanisms, and the descendant temperature slowly approaches environment temperature. Mm -hmm. So simply, it's the immediate cooling off of the body. This would have been obvious to yeah. anyone touching Jesus' body as they prepared him for burial. Okay, the next one is rigor mortis. Rigor mortis is one of the stages of death in which chemical changes that affect muscle fiber elasticity cause the muscles to stiffen. This would have been obvious to those preparing his body for burial. He would mm -hmm. have been stiff. Now, liver mortis. Liver mortis is a Latin term that literally translates to discoloration of death. 
It is the gravitational settling of blood, which is no longer being pumped through the body after death, causing a bluish purple or red discoloration of the skin. In Jesus' case, hanging on the cross, all of that would have pooled to his feet and legs. Mm -hmm. Also, John gives us a clear sign of death with one simple word in his account. John 19.34 says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. The word is water. Water. (laughs) They would not have known the scientific reasoning for this back then, but they knew this was clearly proof of death. Right. This is something known as pleural effusion, also known as water on the lung. Yeah, it's a buildup of fluid between the lungs and the chest cavity. In Jesus' case, a clear sign of heart failure. Mm -hmm. So when the spear went in his side, the fact that water was mixed with the blood was another clear indication of death. Mm -hmm. And all these things they would have known because they dealt with death all the time. They didn't have mortuaries to call when their loved one died they did it themselves so exactly everyone would have dealt with these things at some point Mm -hmm. in their life that generation would have known very clearly what death looked like right you know today somebody dies a relative even if it's in your home you call the funeral home or if it's suspicious you call the coroner Mm -hmm. you don't have to deal with it like they did back then one more thing we wanted to quickly look at is conspiracy theories (laughs) according to expert j warner wallace you need five things to pull off a good conspiracy number one the smallest possible number of co-conspirators two people can lie and keep a secret much better than 22 Mm -hmm. or 222 so if you think a large number of people are conspiring to keep a secret Think twice about it because it's really hard. Yeah. In this case, there were not only the 12 disciples, but hundreds of people saw Jesus, witnessed his death, and then saw him alive afterwards. Right. Up to 500 at one time. Right. And that's just one account. Uh, Number two is keeping the conspiracy for the shortest possible amount of time. J. Warner Wallace says that the perfect conspiracy would involve only two people and then one immediately kill the other one off. (laughs) Three, most people don't think about this fact, but it takes excellent communication between Mm co-conspirators. At some point, someone is going to get stopped, forced to make a statement, give their Mm -hmm. testimony, Stories all have to match, and the Mm -hmm. only way would be for anyone involved to be able to communicate easily. Right. This would not have been possible back then. There was no way to call each other up. There were no cell phones, no internet. How would they have kept their story straight? Right. Number four, a family relationship or bond. That makes it so much easier to get away with things. For example, a mom is usually not going to rat out her kid. Mm -hmm. There were very few family ties in this group, and most had no connection to the story other than seeing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like Matthew, what's what's in it for him? He's not related to or even Mm -hmm. associated with anyone. Right. 
he was just Levi collecting taxes when he entered their group. most people didn't like. Yeah. He was not part of the discipleship of John the Baptist, nor was he part of the discipleship of Jesus up until Jesus calling him. Mm -hmm. And yet here he is writing a gospel. He doesn't flinch and he doesn't back down. Mm -hmm. And finally, number five, no pressure. If you have no pressure, it's much easier to get away with a lie. Mm -hmm. That is not the case here. No. Of all the eyewitnesses, and like you said, on one account, there were literally 500 people who saw Mm -hmm. the risen Christ on the same day. Not one of them recanted. Many were tortured and even killed because they would not change their testimony about what they had witnessed. Right. I mean, think about that. That many people... Involved in a conspiracy over six decades. Yeah. Really? <laughs> and all over the world. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> there are so many other arguments that we could have talked about as well, but we can't make a five-hour podcast, yeah. and honestly, most of them were so incredibly ridiculous, yeah. they're not even worth mentioning. So, in ending... If you're listening and have maybe based your beliefs on any of these misconceptions, we really encourage you to research it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And a wonderful resource for any questions you might be having is Jay Warner Wallace. Yes. He has a website called Cold Case Christianity, and he has almost any answer to any question you might have. There are so many articles and podcasts that answer so many questions. He has been a wonderful resource to us in making this podcast and just helping us know what we believe and why. It's so easy for statements to be made and, and grasped without really seeking the truth, but your eternity is at stake. Right. Without Jesus, eternity will be forever torture and agony. Don't go there. In reality, believing Jesus lived, died, and rose again is the start of coming to really know him and an opportunity to spend forever with him in heaven. Don't miss it. If you enjoyed this podcast and hopefully learned something from it, please rate, share, and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening.